0: Hey, listeners. I can't believe that I'm about to say it, but we have arrived at the final episode of season one. Now, I kept this conversation to the end because it is one with many chapters. Tyson and Misa are two passionate worshipers working in Nashville, Tennessee, in the field of recording and advertising. We met in Toronto years ago doing a church EP in a basement, (laughs) and I've been waiting ever since to hear the fullness of their adoption story, one that they started through foster care and adoption through their local children's aid society, and continuing all the way until their son turned 19. You know, families are complicated at the best of times. but my friends have weathered birth family dynamics, grief, and pain along the way with honor and dignity. It's a long chapter to close, but I suppose that's what any good life should be. So here's chapter 12 of A Grafting Story, Tyson and Misa. Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth. But God sees adoption as our divine heritage. How every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into His family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome to a Grafting Story, a retelling of God's adopted family and a new telling of ours. Well, well, it has been it has been a while since we've seen each other, but I'm so thankful for, you know, just social media and technology and just get to stay connected in some way or another. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? It's funny because, um... A little while ago, (laughs) we had we just sat in the basement. We were like in a basement recording music, Mm -hmm. and kind of had a little holy conversation. And I put that in my back pocket and thanked God for that little moment and your generosity towards me, just sharing a little bit about your own family. And thought, man, I need to know more. I need to hear more about this story. And I need to hear more from the two of you. And uh, and so that's what we're Here to do today, so I'm I'm on the the edge of my seat. I'm on the edge of my seat, and you are on the edge of your seat in your studio in beautiful Nashville. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are okay. So,
1: okay, where do we start? Well,
0: and also, like, who are you? What do you do with your days? What's your family like? Yeah, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, Tyson, you go first.
1: Oh
2: man, I gotta go first. Well, um, so my name's is Tyson. Um, I do, um, through mo- most of my day, I'm making uh, music for television commercials. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that takes up most of our days and our nights and our weekends sometimes <laughs> um, because it's a very active business. And I think with the whole COVID thing, um, people assume that you are around your computer and you're set up all the time. So it seems like it doesn't end these days.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm Misa and we um, we're actually both in the same business of uh, advertising so Mm -hmm. I'm a voice voice actor and so yeah actually during COVID it's gotten really busy because everybody needs to communicate and uh, tell their customers what they're doing differently and how they're going to um, safeguard them during all of this uh, COVID-19 stuff so we've been (sighs) We've been living behind these microphones and uh, okay. doing all, yeah, just doing all kinds of stuff. So it's been a blessing. We were already set up at home as well. Yeah. So. Well, tell me about these babies of yours. Okay. So Shamar is now um, 21. He'll be 22 in October. Mm-hmm. And Makai is 16 and he will be 17 in November. Yeah. Um, and they are just fantastic humans. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't ask for better young men. I can't call them boys anymore. I still call yeah. them boys, but you know, they're just, they're, um, they've grown into these little young men who mm-hmm. have opinions and who see the world through their lens and through their eyes. And, you know, they're on their walk with the Lord and it's beautiful and, um, it's curious and it's, you know, they're. They're they're, they're confused sometimes. Okay, what's this and what's that and what about this? And mm-hmm. even during COVID, it's caused more conversation even about revelation and mm-hmm. some of those topics that, you know, we don't always cover on a Sunday morning or <laughs> at youth or at young adults. And and so um, I think there's been a maturing happening uh, really fast.
2: Yeah, and through the season and, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And the Lord's been faithful in meeting them where they are. And, um, you know, we start to notice a little bit of fear. We just Mm. nip it in the bud and, you know, remind them of God's promises. And, um, and so, yeah, we're really proud of them and they're, they're good. They're good kids. They're good guys. Wow. um, Yeah. They love each other. They, they have this beautiful beautiful. relationship between the two of them too. Um, it's interesting how with the five-year gap, how, um, at different phases in life, they're either interested in hanging out together or not. Yes. (laughs) So true. And so when, you know, Makai was like, you know, three and Shamar was eight, then that was cool because they could Mm. still play and, you know, an eight-year-old doesn't mind kind of hanging out with a three-year-old and tossing a ball or whatever it was. But then you get a 13-year-old with, an eight-year-old. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, seeing them come back now, they've been back together now for probably since Makai was like 14, especially since the move here. Um, and Shamar was like, <laughs> yeah, cause all they had was each other. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So in a new country and all the things. And so, um, so yeah, they've been, they've been besties again since, uh, since the move here and, they hang out and Shamar drives and they take. Typhoon. Yes, you have to have a car out here in Nashville too. Like there's okay. not a great transit system, so we're we're on the outskirts as well. So um, you have to uh, you have to have a vehicle if you want to get around because we're we're pretty much in the country to be honest. Right. If you come out of our subdivision, there's our neighbor is the horseback riding place and wow, uh, yeah, cows and llamas and all. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you heard her right, llamas.
1: Yep. Oh, llamas. My. Oh, and you know what else? Five minutes away? The vineyard. Oh, well, <laughs> you picked the hate. right place. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we're enjoying oh. it here. We miss we miss Toronto. We miss you guys actually. Mm. We miss um the Sanctus um, community, the yeah. creative community there. We miss the bridge. We miss mm. our family and you know, our friends and everything. It was a hard transition. Yeah. Uh, hard to say, you know, say goodbye to people. Yeah. That's one thing, you know, aesthetically in terms of, um, where we lived and and where we are now, you know, it's, it's the South. So there's big trees and it's lush and it's just a beautiful, I mean, you've been to Nashville, so you, have you been here? Beautiful.
0: Uh, I haven't been right in the city, but i've I've been in that area, so you know,
1: you've been, yeah, yeah. you see how beautiful it is? it is. and it can look different from Pickering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as far as that, we didn't mind uh, the move, Of course, it's been a beautiful thing. But when we're talking about people, yeah that's where you know that's where the difficulty was in the in the transition. But uh, God's been faithful, and yeah. uh, he's brought us a beautiful community here to and, um, culturally different people. So it's been, um, you know, it's been interesting to know moms who have sons that are, you know, overseas at war, you know, uh, soldiers and, um, being able to pray them through, um, that protection to put around their, their men or their, Mm -hmm. or their daughters even that are, um, in the Middle East and, We've never met people with that story before, and so right. that was that was a a beautiful transition to see how they parent through that lens and what that looks like. Watching our friends, um, you know, saying goodbye to their boys as they go off to the military mm. and stuff. Mm. It's it's not common. It's not as common, I don't think, in Canada. At least not with the people that I knew. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a sweet, it's been a, it's been a sweet thing to be in a new community and, and see the, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. And like you were saying, you know, for your, for both your boys to have one another as they transition is such a gift. I mean, like that's, I, I mean, I'm thinking about that even now as a mom and our hopes and prayers for our family growing, uh, you know, I, I'm close with my sister and that's, uh, it hasn't always been that way, but it's one of the greatest mm-hmm. gifts and blessings of my life. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the prayers that I I pray uh, for our daughter and for our future child or children that um, that relationship would be would be really special. And so that's such a gift to you as parents, I'm sure, to to see mm-hmm. them together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now uh, they entered your family in different capacities. They did.
1: They mm-hmm. did. They did. Um, I want to let Tyson talk. You want to yeah. talk a little bit on that?
2: Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, this goes back to the 90s <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> every good story starts that way so hey. i'm in <laughs> exactly.
2: so enter into uh, a, a very young couple we were in our 20s and uh, mrs mom was um, a foster parent so um as we were um, engaged in waiting for um, our house to be ready we were living in her mom's house so um Part of that was, okay, you know, we contribute to what's going on in the household. So her mom would be taking care of kids um, in the foster system and um, some would had been placed there for a long time. Some were just passing through. So it was a very busy household. Uh, so part of the thing for us was that this little guy came in and they got the call and he was only supposed to be there for a short amount of time, right? Was it supposed to be like a week the first time?
1: <clears throat> yes, but actually... I feel like we need to give a little bit of the God story behind how you ended up in my parents' house as we were engaged, because um, there was a part of that that was interesting in that we're believers Mm -hmm. and we weren't married yet. And so for Tyson moving in among um, the Christian community, that would be odd because why would he live there with us being unmarried? And, um, but he was living with a a few guys and they were having to move out of this house that they were renting because the owner was going to sell it. And he had, he really didn't have the finances to find somewhere else where there was like three guys renting a house and finding new roommates and they were going off on their own. And so I had just kind of strategically, Said to my parents, Well, what if he just moves into the basement and has that room? And while we're planning and we're, you know, <laughs> gonna get married and all those things, he'll he'll be in the basement. You won't even know he's there, and so on. And so my mom was kind of apprehensive. My dad was like, mm-hmm. oh you know, it's it's okay with me if it's okay with your mother. And so it's true, Trinidad. That's a terrible <laughs> trendy accent. But um, And so it was, what was interesting is that Tyson had moved in one month before my mom had a new foster baby come into the home. Mm. And so as Tyson was saying, my mom was a foster parent and kids were coming and going all the time and a baby came in and we fell in love with him. And, but what I know would have been difficult is if with the way everything went which I'll explain if Tyson didn't live in the house he wouldn't have had the same connection I don't believe Like if he had his own place and we were engaged and then my mom has a baby come in and then I'm there living and I'm always with the baby, you know, in the nighttime and and most of the time. And then I have this fiance and I'm like, oh, you know, we should keep this baby. And he'd be like, what? Like, who knows how that would have (laughs) went? Yeah, that's true. Right. I never thought of that. But we God took something that the church can look at as, okay. that's not. How we do things, and why do you have this unmarried couple living under the same roof? You know, yes. we're talking about the '90s. You know, all of that pressure that um, my parents would have been under. Uh, it's not Lord, something
2: that's easy to explain. Do you know how
1: far the basement is from the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> right. They're not sleeping in the same room. And Yeah, right. Just look yeah, at it right. like this. He's a stray cat. We have lots <laughs> of stray
2: cats. These guys would bring in all kinds of strange, stray right. cats throughout their lifetimes. Yeah. Like, just
1: and another so, cat. Years later, as I think of my mom and her just being so gracious and You know, really just always being somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to take in the orphaned. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. And in essence, at that time, Tyson, you were orphaned.
2: Stop it.
1: (laughs) You were orphaned.
2: And so. I bet. Actually, that's better than stray. I like that.
1: Yeah. And so um, anyways, with both of us being in the house and baby Shamar coming in, um, God just really set up uh, a situation for the two of us to fall in love with him, madly in love with him equally, um, as his at the time, um, as his foster parents so to speak or even his foster siblings because if we're going to be technical that's what it was my mom was the foster mom
2: yeah and And, we um, were we had done stuff with the with the agency like we were all police checked and everything like for Hmm. me to to be even be allowed to be in the house i had to have a police check like this protocol right so it wasn't this like flipping thing oh this guy's just going to take care of some random kid in the foster system (laughs) no
1: no they actually gave permission for us to take care of him because my mom was my mom's home was full yeah Technically, so.
2: she was full. So because she had, you know, children with medical, uh, like heavy medical issues, that was primarily her thing. She could take care of handicapped children.
1: Mm-hmm. So, was a nurse.
2: Yeah, she's got that nurse component. So she would, you know, get the kids that were, you know, quote, really hard to, to deal risk. with and yeah. high risk medically. So, you know, this and this uh, at the beginning was supposed to be just a temporary thing. It wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be longer than a week. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, how about, we'll do it. And then, you know, a week turns into more than a week, mm-hmm. turns into months, turns into we're taking him to the doctor's visits. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: yeah, the Everything. whole
2: thing. And then, and then it turns
1: into him going up for adoption.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, wow. whispering in his ear,
0: I'm your daddy. Are you really? Yeah. Sorry, you He was. He was. He was like,
1: <laughs> oh, so. So as he goes up for adoption and the adoption worker comes to the house, she's taking pictures of him. She says, I'm going to create an adoptability profile for him. Um, It's going to be quite difficult to get him placed. He's an African-Canadian baby. Um, If I have to, I'll put him in the newspaper. We have a special newspaper that goes out and a lot of black children end up in this newspaper. Mm -hmm. And so as she's taking pictures of him, um like I'm
2: telling just, us all this, like yeah, falling apart like, wait yeah, what?
1: we're we're a mess. Mm. And she's looking at us, and we're just the foster parents' kids and son-in-law, you know, to be. and we're twenty one. <laughs> oh we're twenty one. <laughs> yeah, so we're Shamar right now,
2: yeah. We were babies we while were babies. this was going on. Does have I have to like mean,
1: give you a second as you
0: think about that? that yeah. That's Shamar yes. now.
1: <laughs> that's Shamar right now. Yeah. That's Shamar adopting a baby yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, we've thought about that. We've, yeah. And so we, um, so she, she looks at us and she says, well, what about you guys?
0: Could okay. you adopt
1: him? And we're like, wait, wait, what, what do you, what do you mean? We We could adopt him. And she goes, well, what's your story? And we say, well, she's like, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Well, we're we're musicians. Oh.
2: Yeah, so after (laughs) she finished laughing.
1: Yeah. Okay, what what else? Um, Are you married? Well, we're engaged. We're going to be married. Do you have a date set yet? We're working on it. Okay, (laughs) okay. And she's just like, hmm. She goes, you know what? Why don't you just put together a plan? Submit it. And let's just see what happens you know you never know you, you're really attached to him he's attached to you and that can a lot can be said for attachment mm. and
0: so
2: and, h- and how old would he have been at this he's time? eight months old so there you go
0: he's eight months okay old. and now look, just for so from birth to eight months you guys have had eight months together tyson's falling in love misa's falling in love like what are you guys talking about
1: from day to day. Well, we're like, like, we're like, how are we going to give him back? Like, cause uh, originally it was like, okay, birth mom's going to do this and do that. And then she'll have him back. And so as the weeks and the months were progressing, he came at five weeks old. Um, he was five pounds. He was, he was like underweight and he was just this, the only thing I feel like we missed was his belly button falling off. And we were like now he's this big pudgy eight month old who's going along the furniture you know getting ready to walk because he did everything early um and we're like how are we gonna do this like honestly it was an emotion it was emotional torment yeah because
2: even up until that point it was like we were just we thought this was just a temporary thing so it was like getting him all you know he had cradle cap and all the things so it was like getting him all
1: bronchiitis
2: yeah it's getting him back to like okay he's well. healthy again he's mm-hmm. well looked after let's make sure he looks good for when birth mom you know has a visit <laughs> okay. so a lot of it was just it's temporary but we we're just trying to take care of this person's child as best as we can because in our minds from day from week one he was going back mm-hmm. yeah so for us, you know, it's just about okay. Let's do the best we can so that this mother will get her child back in the best possible care ever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, and it got to the point where you know, there's a lot of back and forth um, to visit. Some visits got missed. Some visit, like it was.
1: Well, what what, what had happened too, which was like really interesting in the beginning, was that he came at five weeks and he stayed seven days, and then he went back, and he was gone for five days. And on the and so when he went back after seven days and then he left, we thought when we said goodbye to him, then he, it was goodbye. That was it. But then wow. after five days, now when he left, I had also put together a care package for birth mom. And it was with um, shampoos and creams and um, a book and a Bible. And I'd written her this big, long letter. And, and just, you know, I was... Affirming her as a mom and and telling her what a blessing babies are and, and motherhood is and and just I don't know, I, I don't remember, but I'd written something to her um, wow. that, you know, meaningful to me as, you know, having her baby and oh, the privilege beautiful. of what it was yeah, to it care was for like him this, for that
2: week. This divine handoff basically mm-hmm. is what it was was just all full of this like you can do this Mm -hmm. like because she was a young mother she was was 17 17 at the time so Mm -hmm. it was just all this affirmation and like you know it was just oozing with love here's your your
1: son so what happened and she herself was a a foster a foster child Mm -hmm. um so what happens is he goes back and she has him for five days and i guess during the seven days that she hadn't had him She kind of had her life back after being pregnant, giving Mm. birth. And so she went back to the agency and she was like, Hey, can I just put Shamar back to to the foster home where he was just for six months? I want to get my life together. I need more time. I don't want to live at this home for unwed mothers. I, you know, she didn't like the curfews and some of the rules. And so she's like, I'll come back and get him in six months. But, and so the the workers were like, OK, so you're going to sign to put him into care because they already had her under supervision. But to go to court and to get a court affidavit to do it would have taken longer. So the fact that she was going to sign him into care, they were like, oh, we can save ourselves a court date. Will you sign him into care? And she says, only if you can put him back to the same home where he was last week. Wow. Because there's not a lot of good foster homes. And I know that was a good one. So I want him to go back there. And so when they call my mom and say, hey, can you take Shamar back? That's when my mom is full because she's now taken on another baby and her home is full. And she says, I'm full. I can't take him if I have to care for him. But I do have two adult children who live here who were already taking care of him last week and they could take care of him again. But you have to get permission from your supervisors for them to be his number one caregivers. This wow. has to be on- and so when he comes back now at like seven weeks old, um, we're just like through the moon. My mom's like, Shamar's back, Shamar's back, Schmar's back. <laughs> and so he comes back and then he's back now till eight months when he goes up for adoption. You know, birth mom was missing a lot and wasn't meeting all the markers. And so now they needed to prepare him for adoption. But at the same time, they didn't have crown wardship of him yet because birth mom was still, you know, trying to figure things out but they were like it's not looking like he's going to end up back with birth mom so we're going to prepare to have him adopted wow so so that's where we end up um now we're like she's like put together a plan well the first thing we had to do was get married (laughs) and (laughs) so we planned a wedding and got married in three weeks from that date three weeks from that date and so kind of shotgun wedding yep may 21st 1999 we were married. Shamar was at the wedding. He was now, I guess, uh, nine months old. <laughs> and, um, and so we put together, um, this adoption plan and as musicians, we kind of had to pull out some, uh, we had to get creative with, uh, getting reference letters and that sort of thing. And at the time we were working with, um, we were writing songs and kind of collaborating with one of the members of boys to men Wow! out of Philadelphia. Um, his, he's not in the group anymore. He's the fourth member who, um, left. His name is Mike McCary and him and his wife were really good friends of ours. And so he wrote a letter and had it notarized by his attorney, basically saying, um, Mason Tyson are, um, good friends. They're also fantastic musicians. I see a very promising future for them. Um, but even if not, Shamar is my godson and he (gasps) will want for nothing. And, uh, I will ensure that he has everything that he needs. And so, um, yeah, we gathered some things and we were able to also put together, um, pictures and, uh, stories of what, The first, you know, eight, nine months of his life was with us. And so for the agency to be able to see, okay, we're not just going to give a baby to a set of 21 year old (laughs) newlyweds, but these (laughs) people are already caring for him. um, That carried some weight as well. And so. um, Actually,
2: the the worker that was originally doing the intake, um, who was dealing with us throughout most of. His stint as the foster in the foster care system, she was like, I have to recuse myself from this case because I'm a little biased. So uh, during At the, the time, process, we didn't know
1: she was biased. She did. just recused herself and we were freaking out because yeah, really. they gave us a whole new work we are like, what
2: what happened? Like, what did we do wrong? In the middle
1: she, of the adoption. Yeah. We
2: found out later that it's because she said she couldn't be biased because, you know, she knew the history, she knew us, and
1: mm. she said, she, couldn't she said, it. I was just going to give you guys the baby. <laughs> <laughs> So she she had to bring somebody else in. But when that happened, we were devastated. We yeah. just get a call out of the blue yeah, and your they're like, Oh, you have a new worker. Yeah. The we're other like, worker's oh, gone. Oh gosh, we're like, what have what? we
2: done? Yeah.
1: Not only that, but you built the original that history, work- that relationship.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But not only that, but the original that same worker was the worker who brought birth mom into care when she was a little girl. Oh. So she she had known already the birth mom and then now was her baby. And so she was just way too invested in the yeah. whole thing. And so, um, anyways, we end up, I have to try to shorten this story a little bit to pack it in. So, um, not at all. it's not, <laughs> it, did, it wasn't, it wasn't smooth sailing. Mm. So even after we were home studied and, um, they were like, yeah, if, If we do get crown wardship for him, if the court system doesn't end up giving him back to birth mom, we will likely suggest that you could adopt him. Mm. But we also have family members now who are interested in adopting him. Right. And so as he as that was unfolding, um, which was like the summer of 1999, um, that was really difficult because they they made it very clear You know, biological family will always trump foster family, Mm -hmm. understandably, completely Mm -hmm. understandably. And so um, what had happened in that case was um, the maternal grandpa uh, wanted to put put in to potentially adopt him. He was single. He was dating someone. um, But he spent half of his time in Jamaica and half of his time in Canada. And his girlfriend was living in Canada, in Jamaica. And so when he put his plan together and basically said, I'm going to take Shamar to Jamaica to live and be raised for the most part,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the agency was like, no, you, you can't actually take a Canadian baby to a third world country and have a plan to raise him there. Um, yeah. Unless you're willing to omit that part of your life and live in Canada full time, you're, you're not going to be a good candidate. And so he, um, he wasn't willing to say he was going to do that. And so he very graciously, um, was like, he bowed out Mm -hmm. and he had also said to us, like, I really feel like you guys are going to be a great fit for Shamar. And, you know, we had his blessing, um, in pursuing, still adopting Shamar and and keeping him. And so, um, and so yeah, that there was, there was a
2: lot of stuff like the, I mean we had gone over to um meet with him and his mother like as you know we were still in the, yeah. the foster thing you know we were still the foster trying-
1: system was like making sure to keep that family in, involved, involved while while yeah. Shamar was a foster child
2: that's right, right. so w- it was our responsibility to take him to go do a visit with them
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they would you know said you guys can stay so we're having you know oxtail and rice with <laughs> His, his uh, birth family and, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know them and, you know, still unsure whether or not this was going to be. He's going to go live with them or he's going to be with us. So we had an invested interest in getting to know the family a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of a lot of emotional up and down through that whole process, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. even with birth mother going to court saying, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm doing the adoption thing. And then deciding to change her mind when she gets into court saying, yeah, I need six more months to get Mm -hmm. my life together and I'm going to take him back. We're like, wait a second. Yeah.
1: So we were on a roller coaster with her too. where, yeah, there was two separate court dates where she had told us, you know what, I'm going to sign him over to you guys. And then we get to court and she changed her mind. And, um, the judge was, um, was like, well, you know, we, we're going to give you some more chances. Um, but we, I want you to consider the story of ah, this part was so amazing for the judge to say this. She was like, think of the story of, um, in the Bible of where, when you build your house on the sand versus building your house on the rock, she's like, you know, right now at present, the way your life is, if we gave Shamar to you right now, he would be building his house on the sand. Mm-hmm. But if you were to allow him to stay where he is with the only parents that he knows and the only home he knows, you would be setting shamar up to build his house on the rock. And so consider all of those things as a, as a, as a mom. You know, the, you want to make the best decisions for your baby. Mm. So she was like, "Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing it." Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so we were like, "Okay." And so they gave her more time, and they gave her more because yeah. um, she was a foster child. They gave her funding to mm. get. Uh, school supplies and, and get a uniform because it was the Catholic Children's Aid and, you know, go to Catholic school and we're going to put you in this place for unwed mothers where you can have your own apartment and it's not, you're not overseen the same way as, you know, the other place where she was. And and so those, those things were being um, put together, um, parenting courses. And, and so as we're you know here we are approved to adopt him but birth mom is working toward getting her act together which you know we wanted for her yeah. um but it's really difficult when this is your baby and this is your son and you're like this is you know in the practical and that it, it's our baby and mm-hmm. you know um we're 20 now we're 22 years old and the emotions of that and and so I you know, it's only God. <laughs> it's yeah. only God that we got through that. There were nights where I would just take him out of his crib and rock him and hold him and he wasn't awake. I was just going oh. in and taking him and just holding him and just having those moments of, Okay, I'm just gonna soak all this in because tomorrow's mm-hmm. cord and I don't know what's gonna happen and and yeah. so on. And so And I just kept whispering, I'm your old daddy. <laughs> I'm your daddy
0: <laughs> I, I I haven't forgotten that part of the story. Yes, <laughs> yes. Exactly. I, I and so pretty, well, just to to say, like, like, as you're talking about that, because I think that's one thing, um, you know, I, I I have heard a lot. And, and even, you know, when my husband and I were talking about our own family and even just into the future and, and some of our own desires. And, um, and I think well, sometimes the fear of letting go, the fear of, well, like, I I don't want to go through the pain of loving Mm -hmm. and then experiencing a loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and just even, you know, both of you just sharing, even in, in that, I mean, I'm sure it was an eternity from your Mm. perspective. Um, But in the course of Shamar's life and your life, it could have been just a, a small slice. And and yet, like, love, like, loving him fully, giving all of yourselves um, was, like, the sacrifice of worship. And that was... That was like a non-negotiable to you. It yeah. sounds, like. yeah, because it, actually, yeah. like your offering isn't just to him. It's not just an offering to the biological family. Like it's an offering to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely, it's good. Yeah. So what ends up happening is um, Shamar turns a year, mm-hmm. and we're still in in limbo. And birth mom was to be visiting him twice a week all through the summer. His birthday's in October. So through the summer, she was kind of hit or miss. And then um, his birthday came. And on his birthday, we went to the agency and she she didn't show. Mm-hmm. And then about two days later, she wanted to, she, she, she appeared and she's like, I want to see him. So we, we run him down there. And now she hasn't seen him since, I think it had been maybe April and now Mm -hmm. it's October and it's the first year of his life. And a lot, and a lot of things happen. A lot of, you know, babies change so much month after month after month. And so as we leave him there and he's playing with the worker, the worker says, just go downstairs, get a coffee, you know, come back. And it was uh, a visit from four to five. And as we come back at five the doors are locked to get into the actual um, office and we can hear him crying and he's Mm. screaming and we're ringing the doorbell. And as the worker gets to the door and she opens the door, he's in her arms and he jumps out of her arms and he jumps into our, my arms. Mm. And he's just, he's, he's, he, you just can't console him. He's just, and now he's settled. Mm. He's settling himself. And we're like, what happened? And she said, well, birth mom came in. And he wouldn't go to her, and she got very angry, mm. and she said some things, and she left.
0: Mm.
1: And she's like, basically, she said, "They can have him." And so I was like, "Okay, well, you know, do you have paperwork? Like, what 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 does this look like now? You know, like, let's, because you you have this feeling of like, well." she might change her mind again. Like, what do we do? She was like, well, we have to book a court date and then she has to come to court. And so still that feeling of like hopelessness where it's like, okay, she's the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: all like, as soon as you feel like you get a step forward, it's like, how are we 10 steps behind again? Yeah. 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 And so anyways, we, we bring him home. And
1: so from October, um, all the way until January, She's missing. We can't Mm. find her. So we're just in limbo. Yeah. But the whole time we're mommy and we're daddy. All in. That's it.
2: I'm yelled. It's our baby. Daddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so finally by January she pops up and the workers find her and she says, Okay, I'll come to court and on February first she comes to court and she she's giddy. Like she's She skips into the into the courthouse, Mm -hmm. and she's like, "Yep, I'm gonna give him to you guys. It's good. He'll he'll be fine. You know, he's gonna be great." And she's just really happy and, you know, really upbeat. It was very odd, and and so she signs the papers, and they go, "Okay, well, let's schedule a final visit. This is a closed adoption." And she's, "No, I don't want a final visit. I'm done. We're done." Mm -hmm. And we're, like, really trying to convince her to do a final visit for her mental health and all of that, take some pictures, et And she says no. And so we begin the paperwork and we begin our six-month probation, which is typically how it goes when you're adopting. Yeah. And so we start that. And then a couple weeks later, the workers call and they say, okay, she's popped up again. She changed her mind. She wants to do her final visit. However, he's yours now, so the choice is yours.
0: Wow.
2: For the first time. For the first
1: time <laughs> as his parents, wow. we could make a decision for him, and that was powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, we couldn't yeah. even cut his nails without <laughs> permission. Oh, no, I'm serious. No, we couldn't cut his nails. Yeah. We couldn't touch his hair. Yeah. Nothing um, well, we could comb it, but we couldn't cut his hair without permission. Yeah. And so this was like a really big deal. And, um, right away I said, Oh, absolutely. We're doing the final visit. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we booked the visit and as we get to the agency, she's come with some friends and the workers are, um, you know, they had said to her, hey, this is just for you. This is not for all your friends. And at the time she was living on the street. So um, a lot of the kids that had come with her were like squeegee kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, the agency just wanted to be mindful of um, protecting Shamar from um, anything, you know, uh, uh, mental health stuff from, you know, hygiene st- issues, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and But she she was very upset with that. And because she wanted to do the visit with her friends. And so coming into the visit with us, um, she was very she was angry. Mm-hmm. And within uh, I think it was about two minutes of um, her being in the room and Smar's just kind of looking like, who's this person here? And now he's uh, about 16 months. February. Yeah. And so I, and I had told her, um, I told the worker to tell her uh, to bring a box of chicken nuggets because if she has a box of chicken nuggets, he will go to her for the chicken nuggets. So she came with the chicken nuggets. And, um, and so as, you know, she was kind of there and just looking at him and imagine like he's so big, right? To her, he's so big. Um, She had a big meltdown. And she became violent and said some things. It wasn't toward us; it was toward the worker more, 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 more so. Um, but we very quickly Tyson had to scoop Shamar up, take him out of the room. Security had to be called. Um, we had to. I had to go to another room and meet with them. And then we had to wait until the premises could be cleared to make sure our car was safe to to leave. And so we were kind of just sitting um, in this. Um, in this place downtown waiting for security to say, okay, you can leave now. And it was just terrible visit and terrible. Mm -hmm. It felt terrible. And I felt terrible for, for her and for how Mm -hmm. it was unfolding. And I hated that this was going to be his story. And, you know, my heart was just breaking for, for that, this, this narrative. I'm like, Oh, what does this mean? You know? And so about 45 minutes later, she came back and, um, She's like, no, I, I wanted, I want to do it now, and she was alone, mm-hmm. and so I said to the worker, "Tell her, she's going to have a visit with me." Wow, we we can have a visit, and so she came up, and actually, the worker took Sh- Shmar and Tyson, and I sat with her, and we very gently um, recounted for her the past sixteen months and what that's looked like for her and what's looked like for Shamar and what it's looked like for us. And what a beautiful opportunity this is for Shamar to have, um, perhaps a life that she can't give him right now. And, um, and the, and the peace that she will gain in doing that for him and the opportunity she'll have now as a, as a young young girl to make new decisions for her life and um, have an opportunity to finish school and, you know, do things that she couldn't otherwise do if she was now a single mom. Mm. And and also, you know, reminded her of all of the, the the things that were put into place by the children's aid to assist her over the past 16 months that she didn't take advantage of. And so owning, you know, her own decisions in that, and taking responsibility for the outcome of those decisions now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so after we had talked, and she she did ag- actually acknowledge a lot, and she was um, her temperament was tender, and um, she received what we were saying. Um, I said, now let's let's bring Shamar in, and let's do a proper final mm-hmm. visit. And so he came in, and then we were able to take pictures. Oh wow! And um, while we were there, the worker said, "Hey, would uh, it's just a closed adoption, but would you both be willing to annually write each other a letter and send pictures, uh, telling each other how life is going? You know, us telling how Shamar's life is going, and her telling us how her life is going, and in order for me to." put together, um, a life box for, for him to have when he's, when he's 19, I think at the time it was 18, but then the law changed to 19. And so, um, I agreed, we agreed, Tyson and I agreed and she agreed and was thrilled. And one of the things that she, um, requested was that we no longer have contact with her extended family. And so wow. she she asked that we um, no longer contact you know her dad and her her grandma and any of the uncles and them who had, we had met. She said, I I want all contact with him to be just to me. Um, and I think part of the reason why she she needed that for herself was because during the times when she was missing, um, we were still doing. Periodic visits with the extended family. and she was not there. and then when when they would have contact with her again, they would let her know we saw him. And but I don't That's think it her. was in a kind way. no, no.
2: Yeah. and
1: and so it wounded her. and um and so she made that request. And so we told her we would honor it. And but what it did in doing that is, It kind of made us to the extended family look like we pulled the rug out from underneath them because Mm -hmm. as he was now adopted and we could make all the decisions about his life and we were saying, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to do these, um, you know, these hangouts anymore. Um, That was, I think that was painful for them.
0: Yeah.
1: And I had to, you know, we had to kind of um, wrestle with that. But I really wanted to honor birth mom's request, mm. you know, and that there was so many people involved in moving parts. And
0: yeah. and
1: we're 22 years old now. Oh <laughs> Let's just add that to it. So anyways, we um, we do the visit and we agree to the annual letters and pictures. And, and that's the top of the year of uh, February 20, 2000. And by um as we're in our 6 month probationary period the children's aid goes on strike and so come yes. june come july we're going to get approved and everything's going to be done and the final paperwork will happen and we'll we'll be able to get him a passport and we're just like itching just to have everything finished oh
2: yeah travel like yeah. all those things all yes. those things
1: mm-hmm. and um and the children's aid goes on strike and so we actually don't get any of that paperwork we go on hold And we don't get any of it completed until November. (laughs) And so November 22nd, 2000, 10 o'clock in the morning, we've now moved out of um, my parents' place. We're living on our own for the first time, you know, with with a a two-year-old baby boy. And in the morning, they bring us this letter to the door and it's a sealed document from the Supreme Court of Canada. And it's, it's basically says like, you're his parents and the birth certificates are there. And it, even on, on the birth certificate, it looks as if he's born of me and, um, and we're celebrating. Wow. And by four o'clock that evening, um, the children's aid calls and says, Hey, Uh, We just wanted to find out if you guys would be willing to become a foster home really quickly. You've already been home studied, so it could be quick. Birth mom just had another baby. And uh, if she's going up for adoption, we would uh, like to know. You guys get first rights to her because you have a sibling.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, saga continues. Yeah,
1: same day, November 22nd. (laughs) Yeah, 2000. Second edition, wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. little girl. And she's... uh, She's got some drugs in her system. She's small. She's five pounds. And so we, and we're newlyweds, right? Like,
0: yeah.
2: 22 on the 22nd. I,
0: yeah. I keep forgetting that part of the story. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah. not wanting to recount what I was doing at 21 and how. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So
1: what we do is my mom's best friend happened to be the um foster parent who was going to have the um the little girl come to her home like full time and we weren't approved to be fostering yet or anything but um we could be approved to be her respite on the weekends so mm-hmm. she could get a break and so what happened was um we ended up taking her for a couple weekends from like Friday to Monday and here she is, a newborn, and Shamar's two years old. And Shamar's also a sickly two-year-old, two-year-old. So he has asthma. He has, like, chronic bron- bronchitis. Um, you know, he has allergies. So we're kind of in and out sometimes uh, at Emerge, getting him some steroid oxygen for his asthma. And and so he's a sickly baby. And, uh, and so now we have this um, drug baby um, who is potentially on the same road to um, the same kind of medical needs. And so we take her on the weekends and she screams the entire weekend. She's also withdrawing. Yeah, and at that time, they didn't. It used to take a long time to get test results back. So they were like, we speculate there's drugs, but we don't know. And we have to wait for this hair sample to come back. And in the meantime, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, birth mom's breastfeeding her because um, they don't have a court affidavit saying that she can't breastfeed. And so then we get her on Friday night and she's great on Friday night. By Saturday morning, she's, you know, withdrawing. And um, and so it was hard. So we went to our pastor. And God love him. He, he counseled us so beautifully. And, um, one of the things that he said, aside from you guys are young, you guys are newlyweds. Are you going to, you know, uh, adopt every baby that birth mom has, you know, is this going to be the trend, you know, um, marriage is already hard enough. It's not like Misa's accidentally getting pregnant and you guys are just making it work. Like mm-hmm. this is a big, uh, Responsibility you're taking on, and you know I'm I'm concerned for your marriage and the pressure that Tyson will have to provide and all of those things at this young age, and and so then he begins to and so all of that was like, it was a thought, but still you know there's still the thought of, but it's a baby and we can do it and we yeah. d- we're doing it with Shamar and you know they're they they're siblings and you know all of that, but the other component was that. Um, The workers were very clear that birth mom did not want to give her up mm-hmm. and that we were going to go through the same court process. Mm-hmm. And she's like, birth mom's older now and she could very well get it together and then she will take baby sister. Yeah. And this could take, you know, two to four years. And after four years of court battles, you could potentially lose the battle. Yeah. And not only will you guys be losing yeah. your daughter, but Shamar is going to lose his sister. Yeah,
2: this time it's not wow. just us. Yeah.
1: And so as we thought of him having to mm. go through the loss of her, we There decided, was our answer. Yeah, yeah. we, could, we yeah. could do it. Yeah. And um and so she ended up getting adopted by a beautiful family in Buffalo who was um like friends of friends of friends. So she knew the family and she was able to grow up and um and kind of be, uh, in tune with, you know, the grandma and the grandpa and, and, um, and so on. And so, um, and so let me see, where should we,
0: we have to skip around a little bit because there's <laughs> so many years in between. Um, well, cause I'm curious a little bit too, you know, as, as you shared uh, and just your beautiful letter, uh, to birth mom and, you know, one of the things that I'm, you know, that God's kind of revealing to me over time is, is just really, I, I, you know, I have this image of all these roots underneath the ground and just really like how deep and wide, like the love of God is that as soon as we, mm-hmm. like, we try to, to measure to like, surely like, this is where your boundary lines stop. Um, you know, he's, he's just always extending. And, and so even now, you know, like, like you, you, you're connected to her Mm -hmm. and then you're connected now to this family who, um, has adopted Shamar's biological sister. And, and how does that feel on the inside of you? Oh, it was like,
1: well, it was, um, it was a wrestle with both because I personally had to work through, um, the back and forth, um, because, I had him in my care all the time. So for me, I was like, oh, I'd live in a jail cell to be with him constantly. Mm -hmm. And then for birth mom to not show up for visits and those sorts of things, like I had to really say to the Lord, like, you have to help me not be so offended um, at her rejection because Mm -hmm. the rejection of her to him was heavy for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had to be compassionate and know she's young. And, you know, she was wrestling with mental illness and drug abuse. And um, and so there's so you have to give so much grace, you know, and as a believer, we have to give grace and we have to see the whole picture. And and so, um, you know, I would just posture my heart to pray for her at night and to bless her. And, you know, as I would write her letters, I would think of the details she would want to know that would just be about him and, and, and leave out stuff that might be, um, you know, a sore spot for her, for us as parents and, you know, making sure not to say things about how I'm mothering him or how Tyson's fathering him and
2: being sensitive. Absolutely. Yeah. Just
1: being sensitive to letting the stories be about what he loves and his interests and pictures and that sort of thing. And, and so as the years went by and she was sending the letters back and forth, um, I was seeing her mature and seeing her grow and, you know, she would put crafts in and all the time that she'd put into this. And, um, one of the things that the worker had said, um, as to why they give us the option to do these annual letters and pictures, um, is, is twofold. And for one, it's that if they continue to do it all the way up through their life, um, it's a beautiful thing and the child feels like they never forgot about them and they, and they never, um, lost interest. Um, but number two, if they decide not to, uh, continue doing it as they tend to get older. And typically this is, these are the words of the, of the worker, typically when they get older and they do meet them, they say things like, you know, um, I wanted to do this and I wanted to know you and I wanted to this and I couldn't, but typically they have, their actions would be, but you didn't even send a letter and picture. You know, my adoptive family sent you something every year and you didn't, you didn't pick it up. It's still sitting at the agency, you know? And so if sometimes the narrative can be that, sorry, my puppy's sneezing. Um, sometimes the narrative can be that in foster care, when the babies are um, put in, put up for adoption, their narrative can be for them, uh, You were stolen from me. Mm. And the agency took you and you were apprehended against my will. And they are the bad guys. And the adoptive family are the bad guys. And, um, that, that tends to be common, the common, Mm. you know, the common thread. And so they were saying, um, if she does happen to lose interest, then, um, sadly, her actions will speak louder than her words, right? Wow. And so I didn't want that at all. Um, I I I actually had a lot of faith and hope that she was going to do the letters. Uh, I could kind of see it in her that this was something she was going to commit to, and she did. Mm-hmm. Wow, she did. She did every year. She did. And I was on
0: she, I was on the edge of my seat there for a second. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I she say.
1: Did. she <laughs> did, and we were able to. Um, have this box that, um, that, uh, was his life box because she wouldn't just send a letter and picture. She would send picture frames decorated by her. She would send crafts. Yeah. Real
2: crafty stuff. yeah, Yeah. She started
1: having babies like other babies and she would send their crafts and, you know, pictures of them celebrating his birthday. Um, they would have a birthday party for him and a cake and, and all those things. And so now I have this box filled with all of this, um to give him when he would turn nineteen. Wow. And so he turns seventeen and social media is now a thing. A thing. It wasn't at the time. Facebook exists. Yeah. And we notice on Facebook that she's plastered him all over Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh, Shamar is newly on Facebook And now we're concerned that he's going to discover his entire birth family through social media. And as we think back to, you know, 1999, 2000 and where we were when it came to media, now we're like, okay, it probably wasn't using good wisdom to share photographs Mm -hmm. because now she can identify what he looks like all the way up In his life, as can the entire family. And if he's riding the bus, he could just be potentially approached and somebody could come up and say, hey, is your name this? um, I'm your sibling. Or I'm your uncle, or I'm your this. Yeah. And it left him very vulnerable, very vulnerable. He can yeah.
2: be caught off guard. He can yeah. be, you know, you never know if somebody could resent, ok, what your life is versus my life. So it just became it felt very unsafe very quickly. And
1: well, it took the power away, from him, the power away from him being able to decide when he wants to meet them. that's right. right because, you know, we do try to, um, the agency does try to make it, it the, the 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 choice of the of the adopted child to decide when they want to reach out to birth family, yes.
2: and and it should be on their terms. Yeah, you know they need to have some sense of I have some control over something in my life. I have the ability to um, learn more and know more when I'm the right age, when I have all the information, and so and I might
1: want to be 25 before I meet. Yeah my biological family I might want to be 30 you know so we asked her to take it down and even through the years like the one year the letter might be um where she's writing the letter to me and she's saying you know thank you for taking such good care of my son and da 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 and then the next year it would be Shamar mommy loves you please come home I need you to come home It's time you come home now. This is my address. Come home. And he's like five.
2: Because they took Mm. you from me.
1: Yeah, they took you from me. I wanted to keep you and they took you. And so one year we were, you know, the savior and the next year we were the villain. And, um, and so just seeing the mental illness of that, you know, and the inconsistencies, um, There were years where, well, always we had to let the school know, you know, don't take pictures of him. Don't put him in the media on your page. We don't want anyone to be able to know what school he goes to. Just protecting him, you know, because when we're talking about local adoption out of the foster care system and you're still going to be living in the greater um, GTA or that, you know, that area, uh, it changes things. Mm -hmm. Right. When it comes to it's very different from my friends who have adopted out of Zambia and Haiti. And, you know, it's different. Right. Yeah. So had we, had we known social media was going to do what it did, we probably wouldn't have done the pictures Mm -hmm. now. Um, I think that decision has to be made based on knowing the stability of the parent of the birth parents. Um, And so, yeah, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done that now. Um, So what happened? So we asked her to not to take the post down. And she refuses. And so at that point, we said, okay, we won't be sharing any more pictures. And she said, well, I thought it was done anyways when he turned 16, so like, who cares, whatever. And, um, but what she'd also done is she had put a letter in from the biological sister um, who was his second, uh, the second born baby mm. who had also been adopted um, to another family. And so when he turned, and so as we were leaving and moving to come to the States and he's going to, it was August and in October, he's going to turn 19. um, The timing of God uprooting us and moving us was very divine. Mm. And so he turns 19 two months later and we're now you know, he, he's been waiting to turn 19 for us to reveal, uh, some of the in- nuances of his story and a lot of the details that we had left out. And he, he doesn't know there's all these details per se, but he knows now if he wants to meet them, he can. So that's yeah. what he knows. I turn 19. If I want to meet them, I can. And he turns 19 and he's like, Oh, um, I'm not sure yet if I want to meet them, but, you know, tell me more. Hmm. Um, and we have this life box filled
2: <sighs> with all this stuff. I'll give you a funny side story. So we, keep, we kept it in a very, like, obvious box for us. So we, we'd we always know where it is and we know how to keep it protected, especially when you're doing an international move. So when we finally say, okay, well, you're 19 now. We have your life box. We bring it down. He's like, you mean that stupid box that I carried in when we were moving? It's been under my nose all this
1: time. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was this, like decorative uh, IKEA box. It looked like it should be a craft box or something, and
0: uh, it had right like all beads twice. in it or something. Exactly. like, like <laughs> yeah, and he was like, oh my gosh. And
2: there you so, go. Hide oh. it in plain sight. There's, yeah. there's the advice.
1: And so he, you know, we we tell him some some of his story, but we and we open the box. And then he's like, he he was like, no, I, I can't do this right now. Mm. And so the only thing he wanted was the letter from the biological sister. Wow. And so as we get to talk about her, um, he decides to, um, like, he decides he wants to open a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. So over his, over the month of, um, after he turned 19, him and Makai start to put together a plan to um to approach her and find her and he'd found her on social media but he wanted to like sorry my dogs are fighting he wanted to <laughs> um he wanted to send her a birthday card and wow. so he puts together a birthday card and he writes her a note and I find these pictures of him and her when we had her in our mm-hmm. care and I have pictures of the two of them together and he's two years old and she's two weeks old and um And so and I actually had some other pictures because when she was about uh, I think she was about two, um, we actually did go and do Easter with the family and took more pictures of them together. So she was two and he was four. So we actually had some other pictures as well of them. And so he puts these pictures together and he puts them in a card and then Makai writes a letter to her Mm -hmm. as well. And he puts a keychain in there and I mail it to her. And so, even in like sending out that mail and then connecting with her, and she's she's at that point was um, turning seventeen. Mm. Um, there was just this beautiful thing beginning to happen where he was discovering, you know, that he had other siblings and he's never had a sister so now there's a girl and what does that look like and his best friend had two sisters and so his best friend was coaching him on you know <laughs> this is what it's like when you have a sister and this is what they do
2: which is so funny because when he was like four or something he's like i really want a sister oh. and that's when we got the idea okay maybe we're we'll gonna have, a have biological one. baby one child yeah yeah
1: and that sparked
2: that whole thing
1: yeah and so but makai ended up being a boy and so (laughs) and so they connect and they begin to facetime and so they spend like from that november um until june facetiming and then and in june when she graduates from high school he goes we fly him to where she lives excuse me in east east new york area um we fly him there and he goes to her graduation. Yeah. Wow. And so I have a chance to talk to her um, adoptive family over the phone and say, hey, Shamar's going to come. And they're like, hey, you know. And so we hadn't talked since at the time we'd met them. I think she was like two and they were preparing to adopt her. And so um, we had just kind of met them for this Easter dinner. And 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 that's how that. And so we hadn't talked to them since. And, um, and so he goes and he visits and they spend time and they're getting to know each other. And that was in June. And then by that November, um, she comes to our home for her birthday Mm -hmm. and we have, and it happens to also be Thanksgiving. And so she comes to our home and she's turning 18 and she asks us, why didn't you dot me too?
0: Wow.
1: Never dreamed. (laughs) that day would come when you're making those decisions and, you know, they're babies and we're, and we're 22 now. Um, just, you know, never thought about what that was going to look like to face this young girl and explain why, um, we didn't keep the siblings together, you know? And so, um, you know, I did the best I could to kind of explain it and, um, prayed and hoped for grace and, mm. um, and so on, but it was hard. Um, yeah. it was hard. It was a hard conversation, you know?
0: Yeah. And, well, I, like what you said, I'm sure it wasn't anything, any kind of moment you expected. No, no. no. And we, well, we had to
1: explain it to Shamar too. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, yeah, but you know, it, God was good in, in, in creating a safe space for us to talk and, You know, she's a lovely girl and, um, Mm. you know, she has a, she also had already started a relationship with birth mom from the time she was 14 till she was 18. So now a part of the relationship she had with Shamar was that she was revealing to him, um, who birth mom is, Mm. uh, now as, as, as a, as an adult. And so, you know, there was a bit of this, you know, um, tension between them in that, uh, she, you know, the birth mom wanted to meet Shamar had known now that they had started a relationship and, you know, Shamar didn't want to, um, meet her right now, right at that moment. And he was like, I'm going to meet her, but not yet. I'm not ready yet. And so they were kind of being patient with him. And so in the summertime, um, of last year, he did go meet the um maternal grandpa who was Mm. potentially going to adopt him and Mm. so he spent the night at his house and they had you know barbecue and he met some uncles and he met some aunties and you know they had a beautiful time but what what he what he wouldn't do is he um didn't want to meet birth mom Mm. who was also a little bit estranged from the family too from time to time you know and so um and so he, last summer, he, uh, sees them and catches up a little bit and is still in contact with, uh, with, uh, his sister. And then in February of this year, um, sadly, uh, his birth mom died. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, just this year in February, oh, she had a, sorry. she had a heart attack. And so, um, you know, working through with him, uh some of the guilt that he yeah. might carry for, you know, choosing um, not to meet her yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, walking him through that. But again, we're going to go back to the life box. The beautiful thing is that as I asked him, okay, Shammy, you know, he had said, um, you know, just uh, I'll never get my questions answered. And I was like, okay, well, what kind of questions? And he's like, I don't know, like, you know, just some stuff like her life and, mm-hmm you know why she didn't keep me or I said but baby we we have we have a lot of those answers you know yeah. and as I began to kind of unpack them you know this question this is the answer to that one and did she love you of course she loved you did she want to keep you of course she did did mm-hmm. she attempt to yes she did did she um... yeah
2: boy did she ever and I think that's the thing like yeah. while we were going through it it was super painful and like just gut-wrenching and heart-crushing through the whole time of Okay, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. She needs more time. Okay, we'll give her more time because she needs more time. And she needs to know for herself and her own mental stability that she fought as hard as she could. And That's then also right. he would need that as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we went through the ringer. But, you know, I think they both needed that to know Absolutely. that she fought for Absolutely. him. and that she wanted to she just could not get it together she was so young and had so many things that were attacking her at that time too so, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so isn't that just, like uh, a miraculous thing though like when you oh, think absolutely. about that that absolutely. like sometimes it just blows my mind when i when i remember how little i know right now mm. and yeah. how like <laughs> And how whatever it is that feels impossible or painful or, okay, God, like, surely there's an easier way to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But not only is it this feel good, like, oh, no, it'll make you more resilient or, oh, no, like, whatever it is, but actually that it's necessary that, like there's this weaving together heart work that God's doing mm-hmm. is necessary. Like your pain, Tyson, yeah. like you were saying, like your pain was necessary. Yeah. Like for your son. Yeah. 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 It was so necessary. Yeah.
1: And so
2: it's in, it's in the crushing yeah. where the good things happen, you know, and yeah. it, it feels terrible at the time, but then on the other side of that, that's where, that's where true, um, Understanding can be, true healing can be. Yeah. And then you can look back and you can marvel at, you know, the 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 miracle working of God. I yeah. mean, that's what it boils down to. And Tw- so 22 year olds being, you know, blessed with a child through adoption, like it's unheard yeah. of. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so what happens is um, she they're going to do a funeral and there had been some stuff to do with immigration for us. as we were applying for green cards and so on, um, where Shamar had aged out. Mm -hmm. And so we had to get different status for him. Like we had to get student visas and those sort of thing um, for him. And in the process of doing that, um, he hasn't been able to travel in and out of the country. And so... As this, and we were kind of like, God, you know, how can we have us in limbo with this? What is, you know, what's this about? And so as this happens and as she passes and as they're planning um, a memorial for her, um, Shamar is like, what do I do? Like my Mm -hmm. other siblings, they're going to need me at this, at this funeral. And, and we're saying, well, baby, I don't know if you can leave the country. We have to talk to the lawyer. Yeah, and so he says, you know what? I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God that if I'm meant to go, that I'll be able to go. But if I'm not, that I won't have I won't be able to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And so when we speak to the lawyer, the lawyer is like you absolutely can't go. If if you go, you're you're not going to be able to come back and go back to school and stay with your parents and so on. And so he didn't have a choice. Oh. And so I believe God was protecting him from his first meet and greet with the entire family, Mm -hmm. um, at a funeral at her funeral and then protecting him from even, you know, a few family members knew that he was waiting to meet her and that she was kind of anxiously anticipating that and just whatever that might look like, you know, for him, um, God just, just protected him from it all. And, um, and so, um, we did, you know get him a counselor and someone to talk to that's not just not us yeah. and he's been doing that and um he had also gone through um a loss of losing his best friend in a really horrific motorcycle accident so he was already working through some loss there um who was pretty much like our nephew and our godson like he lived with us at times and so there was just this loss this heavy loss that was going on for him and so um so, yeah, he's been working through that. And he's doing wonderful. Like he's doing great. And uh, he feels like most of the questions he would have answered, if not all, um can get answered through his biological siblings and also answered through this box. Wow. So even you know, him being able to see her handwriting and what that looked like and the pictures of the different stages of life, to be honest, what he has in that box is, I would say, more memorabilia than maybe even his other siblings have right um and so because they wouldn't have been intentionally collecting it no and like i don't know how often you know parents are just writing letters to their kids pouring their hearts out on the page it's bleeding hard of you Mm -hmm. know how they love them i mean we we should do that as parents but i don't know how much we really do right Mm -hmm. um and so And so, yeah, it's that 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 box is a beautiful thing. He hasn't ventured into it again yet. He's he's waiting. Um, And when he does, uh, we're going to do it together. You know, he's like he wants to do it with with us. And so um, and so. um,
2: I think that was part of the um, some good advice that we got from the uh, the children's aid in terms of how to handle a lot of this. Excuse me. Is that, um, I mean, throughout the years, the, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> sorry, throughout the years, the narrative has never been, oh, your birth mom is this and mm-hmm. she missed this appointment and it's been mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the narrative was never, oh, look, she's had another kid. Like there wasn't any. Any kind of ill speak over her life, mm-hmm. it was always that she loves you yeah. and um, she will always love you. And she, she was had, young. A, had a very rough time um, when she was young and she made the very difficult decision of of putting you first and allowing you to, to be with us. And that was a great gift to us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need to have any ill feeling toward her Mm -hmm. growing up because he's known that he was um he was adopted from very young so the questions would come up and they'd come up sporadically or you know some parent would tell their kid you know give them his information then it would come up and he'd have more questions so there was lots of stuff to deal with over the years in terms of you know how his his story would unfold but for us it was always like it's his story and yeah. he it, he has to be able to get it under his terms. And if there's information or questions that he has that we don't know, the answer is we don't know. You don't make anything up. You don't try to, <laughs> you know, color. Imagine the, Yeah, color the, yeah. the the story in in any direction. It's always just give him the very basic details, but age appropriate stuff. Age appropriate stuff, but yeah. always honoring the mother. You know, Misu is always very. Um, probably more so than me making sure that we were honoring the mother just because, you know, you look at it years later and you don't know how it's going to um, open up and pertain and, like, how the the situation will unfold in terms of meeting, whether kids want to meet their biological parents, stuff like that. So it's very important to just paint um, a very, as positive as you can, but minimal details and just allow children to make up their own um mm-hmm come to their own conclusions I think yeah
1: well and the reality is is that you know the moment you start to become bitter and resentful that's you're rotting your own insides out right it's your your own heart so it was important that he had enough information that was going to keep him in a place of um mercy for her and Mm -hmm. compassion and respect and honor you know because it's your birth mom and uh Quite frankly, in the day and age that we're living in and, and 20 years ago, um, she actually didn't have to give birth to him. Yeah. You know, she could have made another choice that That's would right. have rendered him not here at all. So there is there is much to honor in her decision to birth him out of mm. her womb, you know? Yeah. And so those were conversations we had, too.
2: Mm-hmm. And have to make the, a very mature decision at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of stuff to carry when you're 17, 18 years old.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is.
2: for her to even have that much at that age to know that she's going to do whatever it takes for him was mm-hmm. a very big deal and very mature and responsible thing. So, you know, she deserves to be honored in that mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, oh, that really. That's always been the narrative for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for, ooh, just walking faithfully uh, through difficulty. Mm-hmm. Thank you for loving your son and honoring his mother. Mm-hmm. And thank you for, uh, yeah, just the gift of being able to walk inside a little bit of your story. Mm-hmm. Yes. The whole your whole background is applauding for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I, yeah, I just really appreciate your time and, and sharing all the details of your story. As, uh, as mom and dad, I will forever keep that image in my head of the two of you, uh, young, not yet marrieds, falling in love and not having a clue yet of uh, the story that would unfold, but walking mm-hmm. faithfully with God nonetheless. Yeah, uh, thank, so. thank you. So thank you. Appreciate you. I hope that wherever you are in this process, or in the adoption triad, or in the role you are playing in the story, that you remember that where you are currently is just a part, a meaningful part without a doubt, but with much behind you, and much before you, and much unseen. I hope you continue following the call of the Trinity of God with great perseverance, Wisdom and humanity, echoing Misa's declaration, God is so faithful. Because whatever the year, whatever the season, I am convinced that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And being forged, formed, and grafted, though painful and often complicated, (laughs) It promises to bear immeasurable, everlasting fruit. So here's to each of our stories still being written by the author and the finisher. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions, to share resources, or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or nicoleashleyfletcher.com. But more than any of that, Please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now.